Hey, George, what's up? What is this? <laughs> the Budweiser, the, Bud, the Budweiser commercials. From yeah, the '90s. What's up? Yeah, we should bring that back. Football's back. That was fun. Bring that back. Yeah, I like that actually. Um, no, I know football's back. I'm actually trying. To, I'm trying to. I make no guarantees. I'm trying to see if I can become an NFL guy. I don't know if you saw. I was, I was asking about this. I was, I was looking for. I don't really have a team. I mentioned like when I was a kid, I really liked the 49ers, like in the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice years, like the early 90s, and then the Steve Young. Um, I liked the 49ers, but now you know I, I usually watch the Super Bowl, like I've talked about. I'll maybe watch a game or two a year, but I don't have that emotional connection with any team or franchise. So that's kind of what I'm seeing. If I can, if I can spur that spur that kind of feeling and then i can be i can i can really dive into being an nfl guy i will be your guide rob (laughs) this is this is tremendous news uh i and you know i'm someone who watches red zone all day every sunday during the nfl season because it's the fucking best uh i will i will help you pick a team this could be a process i think viewers or sorry listeners should give their input as well comment on this on this episode, what team do you think Rob should throw his allegiance behind? Do you have any? Do you have any leads? I was, do you have anyone you're leaning toward? I was thinking possibly the Bills because a lot of Canadians seem to gravitate toward the Bills. They are good, but they have still kind of like an underdog status because of their years of of struggle. But then I did watch that Jets and Bills game that you oh, talked about man. with Parker Malloy uh, this week. And then even after Aaron Rodgers gets gets snaps his Achilles in the first drive of the game, they still couldn't really capitalize on that and looked pretty bad. So now I'm not sure if I should jump on that bandwagon because I feel like, I don't know, I think there's a little bit of overraging going on with Josh Allen and, and the Bills. So I don't want to set myself I – know, I know being a sports fan and being a football fan is – a lot of pain and a lot of people that are fans of different franchises that were trying to tell me about this on Twitter were very clear about the fact that it's often just a bad and painful experience. But I don't know. I'm not totally convinced about Josh Allen and the Bills. I don't know if I'm ready to get on board that that bandwagon. Yeah, a lot of a lot of pain for the Bills. Yeah. I mean, they're good. That game isn't the best depiction of how good that team is because the Jets defense is phenomenal. Yeah. And you saw that. I mean, multiple takeaways, just huge, huge stops, forcing a fumble just to set up the field goal to to tie it up or take the lead before Buffalo tied it up. Just what a crazy game. What and that yeah. was, I think, just a, a really, really fun Monday night game to kick off the season. That was great. Uh, yeah. Bills, a lot of pain, no expectation of ultimate success, but a, a team you can't help but love. You got I just I always find myself. Yeah rooting for them in the postseason because they're just they never they're never successful i want them to be yeah some like adam johnson was was trying to recruit me to the bears fandom and i watched oh, the boy, bears no. and packers game and that's that i think is going to keep them at arm's length as well as well i don't think yeah. i'm ready to jump do into not that. go bears yeah i don't think that's a good idea i'm thinking I, I, maybe vike maybe the vikings i think minnesota is like kind of culturally canadian like it's basically a very similar shared sort Little of Canada. Like, yeah. Yeah. Shared culture. So, and there's a, they're a team that I liked in the past as well. So I'm thinking about maybe that. So I got a couple options. I might stick with the 49ers, maybe the Vikings. I don't know. I'm going to see how this, we, this season progressed. I mm-hmm. did enjoy on Sunday, 
having snacks and putting on football all day and, and hanging out and watching it. I was, I was pretty into that actually. It rocks, so, right? Yeah. It's pretty it good. It rocks. Yeah. I quite, I quite like, tell that. me a better way to spend a Sunday. Cause <laughs> I'm not gonna, I don't know. I'm not going to yeah. find it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there is one. It's pretty good. Speaking of that Jets game, I did talk to Parker Malloy earlier this week for subscribers about Aaron Rodgers' injury, the layers that made his injury funny, and on 9-11, given that he once once reportedly asked a teammate if his teammate believed in 9-11. We went through uh, some of the funnier <laughs> 9-11 tributes this year, because there's always some there's always some good ones, uh, yeah. and, and a lot more. It was a really, really fun conversation with Parker. If people want to listen to that, yeah, head on sorry, over to that. Insurgents. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but if people want to listen to it, that's that's more important than the show. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised actually to hear that coming from you. <laughs> I'm always texting him like, get rid of your kid. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> give him, give him a sleeping pill. Option. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if people want to listen to that episode. We got to make here. <laughs> If people want to listen to that episode, head on over to insurgentspod.com. It's just five bucks a month. You get access to that episode and every premium episode we've ever done. Printed at just five bucks a month, you get an additional episode every week and you help keep the show going. And we really, really appreciate everyone who subscribes. Like I said, you keep it going and you mean the world to us. We really, really can't thank you enough. Insurgentspod.com. Absolutely. We really appreciate and we love all our beloved supporters, a.k.a. the paid interns. And I know you two covered this on, on the previous episode, but I do just find it really funny, the whole thing with uh, Aaron Rodgers. How I, I imagine once the Achilles snaps, all of a sudden your devotion to alternative medicine and your your belief in these big pharma conspiracy theories become a little bit less important. And it's all of a sudden, yeah, give me the drugs Give me the Achilles surgery. That there's no big pharma conspiracy there involving me getting a next day MRI to fix this injury. Give me the steroid injections or whatever it is to do the rehab. All of a sudden, this this devotion to these these new forms of medicine and this this doubt and uh, concern that you have with big pharma and their nefarious intentions kind of goes away when all of a sudden you snap your Achilles and and you know je- jeopardize you know your the future of your professional sports career. That's always kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, there. Yeah, we we get into why it's funny. It's just someone getting hurt on its face is not inherently funny. The context with him getting hurt and on nine eleven in such <laughs> a public fashion, after all the pomp and circumstance for the nine eleven event, running out onto the field with the American flag, but despite being a nine eleven truther, like it's just in so many ways, it's hilarious. So. We, we get into that. It was a really, really fun conversation. I do feel a bit bad for Jets fans. They've been through a lot. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, they, they really struggle. <laughs> I don't know how bad I feel for Jets fans, but they just can't catch a break. Yeah, that, that was pretty rough. Anyways, we had a really good uh, conversation today with our friend June, a.k.a. Juniper. Uh, you might have seen uh, their posts on X.com, the everything app. Uh, also the host of... Uh, the Western Kabuki podcast. Uh, that was really fantastic as well. Yes, that was that was really fun. Uh, June's a great time. Last time they were here, they talked about they, they teased Western Kabuki. 
And yeah, now the show is doing great. People love it. So it's very exciting to revisit that launch and the success of that show with with someone who we both appreciate and find very funny. Yeah. Do you want to get to that? Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, June, a.k.a. Juniper of Western Kabuki, will be joining the program right after this. You're laughing. What are you laughing about? You got you got something? <laughs> or are you just? No, uh, I was waiting for you. Oh, you're waiting for me. Okay. Yeah, I see. Are, are you playing um, Baldur's Gate? I I'm kind of getting I'm kind I'm kind of getting like a fear of missing out thing because I'm still stuck on Cyberpunk from like now two years ago. I can't I can't trying to get through that. I'm seeing everyone jump on board all these new things. It seems kind of cool, but I don't want to commit to a new big thing. Yeah, I, I've been like, I downloaded Baldur, Baldur's Gate 3 because I'm a big fan of the first two Baldur's Gates. That was like one of my first RPGs when I was a kid. I'm just like at the point in my life where I just don't have the attention span and also like as much time to play as many video games. So I'm like, I, I don't even like really play too many video games anymore. But I, I downloaded it hoping to play it like maybe in three months. It seems super cool. I don't know anything about it. I haven't I haven't played it. I know Ken Klippenstein, but when I saw him before I moved, he was talking about how excited he was for that and he was going to buy a PlayStation just for that. But the, the other people game that like that, it seem to really like it. Yeah, they seem to be really into yeah. it. But the game that I want to play, but I I can't, similar to what, what June was saying, just the attention span for me it's also time. I want to play Starfield. That's another one. And yeah. this weekend. I don't know where people are finding time to play this thing. Yeah, how do people do it? Yeah, my fiance's out of town. Last night, my buddy was telling me, oh, yeah, this is a great weekend. You could you could put in some hours. And I thought about it. And even then, it's like, to do what? Start from the beginning, have no inventory, and like just grind and struggle for the first part of the game before I <laughs> don't have time to play anymore. Like, that just doesn't sound... I like Fortnite and games like that because I can just pop yeah. in. It has, a, it has a definitive start and conclusion. I can play a game, I get stuff in the game, and then I'm dead or I win. Yeah, when I was a like when, when I was a young younger kid or teen or whatever, I played a lot of like shooters like Call of Duty, Halo, Halo, especially Halo. But I played like, you know, those sort of games in like the mid 2000s when that was like super popular. And after a point, I was like, I'm never going to like buy another Call of Duty. But around probably this time last year, I was like, I, I made the realization I don't play nearly as many video games maybe it's time to like go back to call of duty to where I can just like pick up a game or two and just play that for like half an hour. And that's like the most game I've played um, in the last like year is just call of duty, which I never thought I would do just because it's, it's easy to pick up. I'm still not over that. Like, thumb looking British guy that freaked out over Starfield and had that like crazy <laughs> rant about pronouns. It's just sad. Like where this, that was where this kind of like gamer culture war thing has gone. And people's brains have just been so poisoned by this like endless debate over pronouns and these things. And this guy who's, who's, who can easily just imagine this like fantastic future <laughs> world with warp travel and alien beings and magic or whatever the hell's going on in there. I haven't played the game. I don't know. What, I don't know what it is, but I haven't either. That sounds. Yeah. Sounds and right, then though. just like in an RPG character creator 
the idea that you have there's a pronoun option is just too much for this man to understand. It's just too much. It's the straw that broke the camel's back. He was like near tears in that clip. Like he was actually yeah, that, that he's video, actually almost crying. That first video that. <laughs> It was such a good video when he like that first one that went viral because I think his like he addressed it or like he addressed like Hassan Piker or something yeah. um, after that whole thing went viral. But it's one of the funniest like it's like genuinely very funny and, and not intentionally on his part, but very funny comedic timing. Just the way he reacts yeah. to finding out there's pronouns. It's just <laughs> what are the, gamers are just not all right. No. Ever since Gamergate, like, come on. <laughs> I want to see that same type of freak out. I want to see that same type of freak out for like penis selection. Like in, like you mentioned yeah. cyberpunk, you can you pick specifically the genitalia of your character. I want to see that same type of freak out. Like when they see their options and they think like none of these can be real. They're way yeah. too big. One, one really underrated oh comedic God. timing element of that clip was the way that after the whole two minutes where he's, he's like having this emotional breakdown and then he just goes back to the game at the end and just goes, starts clicking around again and just playing, playing the same game that I he mean, just that, yelled about for like, you know, three straight minutes. That was great. That, that's how a lot of that stuff goes where it's like, you know, we've seen so many different protests where it's like, oh, we're protesting Nike. Oh, we're protesting like this coffee. Yeah like whatever like they'll protest it for like a month now. but then they're just like yeah they're woke but then like okay they're back in line at the they're back in the aisle buying whatever product they're 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 consumers do you think they're buying bud like light they, again they, oh i think some people absolutely are. i think some yeah. are um no i think there are probably like that one was like hysterical enough to where there is probably people that like conservatives especially that will like like they don't care but I feel like they're scared that like people in their life will judge them for like buying Bud Light. So there's like that peer pressure aspect <laughs> yeah. of it. But like, I, other than that, like, I don't, I don't know. What an amazing like, way to maybe, go through life. Honestly, it really is something else to yeah, me. It's, it's very sad. It sounds horrible. Yeah. Just, just buy Bud Light. Yeah. Like, come on. Have your, have <laughs> your it's, swill. It's, it's okay. It's the same piss beer that like <laughs> you were always drinking. Come on. <laughs> it, it feels very similar to, early 2010s liberal boycott of chick-fil-a over their open stance against marriage equality mm -hmm. and i just like remember think like interacting with friends who you know, publicly outwardly among friends yeah this company sucks and then privately a lot of them also just being like yeah but it's so good though i'm still gonna eat it and it's like if you really just scratch that surface a little bit chick-fil-a isn't the only company that was supporting right-wing politicians or were actively hostile to marriage equality efforts yeah. you know, through campaign contributions, through whatever. It's just they were the ones that were like branded just like, you know, for Bud Light to be even just mildly inclusive. All corporations now have inclusivity statements, right? Yeah. Just, you're just kind of picking one for no real good reason. It's just like the the the, the like pinata. It's the it's the it's the one they beat. The most because i mean they did i mean it's undeniable that they kind of like st struck lightning or like what, what do you call that what's that phrase uh lightning in a yeah. bottle like they really did hit that like thing where they were like oh we're gonna like change the tides of the culture war which like they they kind of did briefly but like in terms of like national conversation no one really is talking about it as much there's still those like weird uh, like second string like social media personalities like that joey marino guy or uh, oliver what's that london ali london where they're yeah. like they're just like stuck 
posting about Dylan Mulvaney to like 3000 likes now because like no one cares as much. So like there's always going to be those people now. They, they've built their platform just like off of that, like lightning in a bottle moment. But it's it's it doesn't have longevity, like genuinely. The whole Ollie London thing is funny. It's just like I feel like if you're <laughs> if you're in the right wing media ecosystem, you got to be able to throw some back sometimes. Like if someone just because they're saying what you want to hear. <laughs> Like this is obviously not a good spokesperson to talk about like people's decisions about kind of like certain gender affirming procedures that they're going to get. This is clearly not a good person to deliver that message. Like they don't have credibility. This person that tried to become like a K-pop star or something and then regretted it. Like there's, yeah, why are you inviting them onto your like big media K-pop. programs? Like you to find someone else. There's no shortage of people that are going to be able to say gender bad or whatever it is that you want to hear. You're un, you're underselling yeah. it. <laughs> June, you're underselling the K-pop yeah. thing. Yeah, no, no, no. It's 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 like not even just like a K-pop. I, this person wanted to be Korean. Like yeah. it's it's like like you know how like right wingers will typically freak out about like oh this it's like oh what if people start identifying as yeah, black? Actually, like, did this that. person genuinely did that, <laughs> and now they're like they were on like Newsmax. I think he even went on Fox News. Yeah. And like wrote a book about like it, it was called like detransitioning, and it's like fr- from, from being, being Korean, be, being <laughs> Korean? Korean. Like, what yeah, do you mean what? detransitioning? <laughs> this is your like also, this I, is your spokesperson. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's strange to me. I think it was uh, just a couple months that Ali London was transracial or whatever. It wasn't very the long. The QAnon Anonymous episode on on Ollie London is Didn't fantastic. Didn't actually change oh, they, the they name of the book? Like it was called Detransition at first and then eventually because like it, all the actual reality of what that was started to come out that he actually changed the name of the book to something else didn't he it's like it's like some it's i think it's gender called like gender madness. yeah Gen- gender yeah. war i think that's something it. yeah something like that which one man's incredible. devastating struggle <laughs> one man's with- devastating struggle with woke <laughs> ideology and his battle to protect children wait is that what the from, hey, yes wow. oh I, I, went, I purportedly had 32 plastic surgeries oh. to be korean and now all of a sudden hey culture has shifted now i hate yeah. woke ideology you can't, it's you like you can't even get uh, you can't even pretend to be korean with woke culture how it is nowadays it's really unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> one man's battle to become korean is what it should yeah. be oh, oh what man. just incredible incredible stuff we see online it's it's it is yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't want to live without this <laughs> we live in the best time we truly we're do. getting to like the end of the summer it's a little too late for this now but i think next year there needs to be some kind of campaign to convince conservatives that using air conditioning is woke and i want to see <laughs> i want to see what these people what they test their commitment to these values that they have you know not just they about made aerosols, uh, estrogen. Yeah, they put the, that that like coolant. The coolant is now aerosoled estrogen. Yeah, don't have that in your be. home. It's yeah. really yeah. <laughs> you don't even know what that's going to do to your gender. You have no idea, dude. You got to really Next. watch out. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny because like that would be genuinely believable for some of these people. Because I don't know if either of you guys have seen where there was like a moment, and it wasn't like a huge thing, but there was like a corner of like trad right-wing twitter um that was freaking out about touching receipt paper because it had like some sort of estrogenizing (laughs) effect so i'm not even joking like unless this was all a weird bit like people would freak out about like air conditioning next summer we have to cook something up it'd be so easy conditioning makes you gay (laughs) just say like literally just say that it makes you weak that receipt 
the receipt thing, I guess what's what's old is new again, because that was a freak out several years ago. There was a study that found if you use hand sanitizer and then you touch a receipt, you're you like leech a bunch of chemicals from the receipt paper. It was like <laughs> crunchy, like organic mom, like David Wolf, like anti-vax, like super like healthy people that were really glommed on to yeah, they really glommed on. It's like, do not touch your receipt because <laughs> if you just used hand sanitizer, you're going to leach all these chemicals into your bloodstream. Cool. But it's back. But this time it's estrogen. I love moral panics. They're never going to end. Yeah, it doesn't seem like <laughs> should. it. We should take a minute to introduce our guest. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Juniper, as known online, but June to us, uh, the ESPN Power Rankings top host on Western Kabuki. That's right. Uh, solidified in the number one spot. June, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Always delivering on my podcasting fantasy team. Every week, workhorse. Week after week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's how Western Kabuki has really taken up. When you were here several months ago at this point? Yeah, I yeah. think you were teasing it. Yeah, so that was you like back it in wasn't December. It was that was like back in December. Uh, so that was like before we started. So like it was around before, but it was like before I joined it. It was just a um, Nicolas Cage movie review podcast, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I like reached out to them because I guested on one of the like the very first episode. And I reached out to them and was like, hey, like, let's do this thing. And that was like back in December. And now, yeah, like nine months later, it's it's been it, we're doing pretty well. And people have i'm just glad people have been enjoying it since um we launched it which my appearance on this podcast originally was like my launch teaser kind of or at least that was the first time i announced it was on your guys's show like nine months Got ago the old rob and jordan bump yeah it yep. it definitely helped yeah. out <laughs> <laughs> wonderful well we're glad to see bump. that's what that's what many people are calling it yeah uh <laughs> we're, we're glad to see western kabuki thriving uh obviously we both love and support the show thank but you you're here to talk about some very important topics so we should get into i think one of the more fun ones and that is vivek ramaswamy his <laughs> tiktok collab with jake paul now for context possible running mate vivek situation ramaswamy and jake know. paul I, I can see a power ticket right there <laughs> vp possibility <laughs> yeah logan paul <laughs> Announcing in the the forest, the Japanese forest, with the corpse that he found. <laughs> Wait, that was his brother. This is Jake Paul. Logan Paul did the corpse. Yeah. Oh, that was they're they're the same to me. I don't know. I'm not 12 they years are. old. I'm not 12. I don't know what they do. I'm, it's unfortunate that I do know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I know this? <laughs> I don't. We all have like weird esoteric knowledge of people that we shouldn't know exist. Yeah. At this the, point, the knowledge of these people has replaced cherished childhood memories of like my grandparents and stuff like that. It's <laughs> gone forever. <laughs> so I can remember this bullshit. <laughs> It'd be funny. Jake Paul would be funny, not even as like a as a VP, but if, as like a secretary of state type. If he was the if he was going out to do the negotiations with Venezuela and DPRK and Cuba and stuff, <laughs> I would send Jake out there for that. I think that would be a good yeah, Jake, for Jake be a good Paul. Spot. Jake Paul hanging out with Kim Jong Un or whatever. Like they're they're watching basketball together, just like Rodney yeah. King. Or was that Rodney King that one did that? Like uh, ten years Dennis ago. Rodman. Rodney King made news for different reasons. Dennis Rodman. Okay. Yeah, the worm. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah. 
different different Rodney or <clears throat> different Rod. Uh, so. God, this conversation is making me feel old for so many different reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to Vivek Ramaswamy, for context, he for months, I guess years now, has been a critic of TikTok. And some of his comments I, I've pulled up just so people understand just how vehement his opposition to TikTok was in February <laughs> Sorry, November of last year. Sorry, fe- let me start that again. In February of this year, he tweeted, Ancient Greece could never breach the walls of Troy, so they used a Trojan horse instead. Mm. If it were 2023, they'd be using spy balloons in TikTok instead. <laughs> he has repeatedly, has repeatedly compared TikTok to fentanyl, calling it digital fentanyl, and has called for banning it, banning the use of it by kids under 16, and many, many other attacks. However, after, quote, meeting with Jake Paul and talking with Jake Paul, <laughs> he's, he's said that he has changed his mind. He said, had dinner with Jake Paul on Sunday. He changed my mind and convinced me to use TikTok. Skipping ahead. We can't just talk about the importance of the GOP, quote, reaching young voters while hiding in our own echo chambers. It's bad when the CCP collects data from U- from U.S. users via TikTok. But the truth is it's no better when American companies like Airbnb do the same thing by handing over U.S. user data to China. And we're not going to get China to play by the same set of rules until we win this thing. I'll be on there starting later today. And he, he creates a TikTok with Jake Paul, them kind of dancing and posted a few videos jake paul posted a couple of videos now i want to get both of your thoughts on his pivot is this him simply reconsidering or is this an opportunistic move i think that might be easy but also i i i want i want you to react to this quote for or or the news that in addition to this jake paul says he plans on meeting or hopes to meet with every presidential candidate to help young people determine who they should vote for is Jake Paul the Joe Rogan of the 2024 election? The kingmaker. <laughs> I, f- I feel like he wants him to be. I feel I mean, I think this is like very obviously like a really blatant, like opportunistic move, because I feel like he he understands that a lot of people in America, especially like younger people, don't really like how most like Biden and Trump are like so fucking old. Like no one, no one wants these like old geezers to really run the country. So I think he's leaning into being like one of the the youngest candidates to ever run for president. Because I think he's like what thirty seven. He's really young. So I th- I think it's a very like obvious ploy to be like, wow, I'm young, I'm hip, I know what TikTok is, I know these little dances. Like it's a very, at least to me, it's like very blatantly obvious. You know, like come on. I would love to see a Jake Paul conversation with Biden. I think that would be fantastic. Like a one see them dance. <laughs> A one on Frost yeah. Nixon kind of thing, but it's Jake <laughs> Paul and Biden. Um, no, when it comes to um, uh, Ramaswamy, I, I, yeah, obviously it's just crass and opportunistic. I do find it funny that kind of phrasing when he's talking about like TikTok or Airbnb collecting data, which all of the, which he acknowledges all these social media companies do, but it's only when they sell it to China that it becomes bad. Like, but they're selling it to whoever God knows who else and keeping it for whatever nefarious reason. That's totally okay when they're like American companies or Western companies. 
Um, yeah, they're fine with it. They're basically fine with it when you mention the word like birdbath and then you open your phone and the first thing you see is yeah. a birdbath ad. They're fine with that. Yeah, they're just not totally fine okay. with it for whatever for like Genshin Impact in China to like <laughs> advertise more targeted to you. Yeah, that's not okay. Well, and it speaks also to the hollowness of some of these like foreign policy positions that some of these new right wingers are taking like Vivek Ramaswamy and, you know, Tucker Carlson, or they end up getting criticism from people for from these very misguided people that I think that might hear them say something that they might agree with. Like I saw a quote from Vivek Ramaswamy the other day where he was talking about Ukraine and this nonstop arms transfer to Ukraine and basically making the point that like, this is going to eventually cause blowback similar to when we were doing the exact same thing in Afghanistan in the eighties, which I think is a pretty important point that I wish more people would make. Like that's something that I personally happen to agree with, but Mm -hmm. no one should think that Vivek Ramaswamy is like someone that has good foreign policy positions or is somehow like, you know, is going to be stand up against the intelligence community or the American imperialism when he just (laughs) wants to pivot. Like this, the fundamental difference between like the Democrat and Republican foreign policy position here is pretty much that like uh, Democrats seem to want to take on Russia and China at the same time on two fronts. Whereas these, these Republicans like Vivek Ramaswamy want to break that new kind of Sino Russian alliance and just pivot towards China and, and, it continue to escalate that. Like that seems to me the fundamental difference. These are not people that have like well thought out or consistent foreign policy views or are, are going to play any role in like pulling back, you know, America's role in, in provoking these kind of conflicts. Like they just have a slightly different strategy than what the ruling class does currently. Yeah. That's like something that I, I think a lot of people, it's not like a new like thing for right wingers, but like I think people really started to notice this like weird shift in rhetoric from right wingers with like Tucker Carlson in particular, where they will say things that are traditionally like anti war or like anti um, intelligence community, which has been traditionally and long time like left wing position in just America and just like in the world generally. Um, so it's it's a very like kind of scary thing, but I, I don't think it really fools too many people on the like that would be sympathetic to the left when like Vivek Ramaswamy or like Tucker Carlson will say these like generally air, uh, doing air quotes right now uh, like anti-war things because you're right they Vivek's uh, position is that he does want to break up the the Russian China alliance he he does want co- like global cl- conflict he's just clever enough to know how to phrase it to make it seem like he's anti-war or like anti-global conflict basically yeah they the right and his you know cheerleaders on the right right right-wing pundits take that line that he's anti-war simply because he might not support uh defending ukraine against russia and they apply that to the entire planet and you can see in his other rhetoric just like with other Right wingers, Tucker, you mentioned Tucker, same thing. They they do share very militaristic views, especially when it comes to Mexico. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy, oh, yeah. relative to DeSantis, has been a bit tamer on his rhetoric about Mexico, but both of them have called for uh, military aggression, if not outright invasion of Mexico over, quote, cartels. And he has called for attacks, uh, assassinations. <laughs> Uh, extrajudicial killings, and, and in some capacity, a full-scale invasion to stop the cartel problem. Again, relative to DeSantis, who's saying yeah. we will leave them stone cold dead. I mean that you 
you don't have to read into that. You know what he's talking about. But they are explicitly calling for a military presence and action against Mexico, which is just which would be fucking terrible. Yeah. And that was the most I don't know if you guys watched the last or I guess the first debate, um, the first Republican debate. But we um, uh, we meaning Western Kabuki, we did a live stream watching it and like reacted to it. And one of the more shocking things is just how openly they talked about wanting basically wanting to invade Mexico. That was honestly insane i couldn't believe that that's like the mainstream republican position at this point where it's just like oh yeah we need a military presence like on the board like in their border in their borders we want to invade that is i i could i couldn't believe it and I, another thing i couldn't believe about that debate is that Ron DeSantis didn't say the word woke once that's just a side note i just couldn't believe that <laughs> that that's yeah. me well it seems like orienting his whole campaign around that hasn't exactly like led to him having any kind of success so far in or in terms of like getting his name out there making any kind of impact um i do yeah. i don't think it's a coincidence either that the 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 fact that mexico right now does have like a pretty progressive president who's starting to get a lot more comfortable criticizing america and kind of making some some statements to that effect uh as well so i don't think that's that much of a coincidence now that conservatives are getting more and more comfortable talking about the cartel issue all of a sudden on the southern border and talking about this like <laughs> military solution i think it's really tied into what's currently happening in the in the mexican government yeah because i think just recently they i think they legalized abortion in mexico like just what a month ago yeah. if i'm remembering correctly they legalized gay marriage i think two or three years ago now with amlo um they also yeah. unveiled aliens they have aliens down in mexico now i did see um, that yeah. so they're yeah they're making some good progress down there yeah, <laughs> and they, seriously they got the, some shriveled the right up little guys is, <laughs> yeah those little ets <laughs> all right they're making too much progress that's why they want to stop them the, yeah. the republicans bob you were on vacation when the alien whistleblower testified in congress <laughs> and i had to do that episode yeah. without you but now that you're back in june with you here What's up? These are these real or are these just all a distraction? Oh, um, I so I, I like I think everyone wants aliens to be real. But as time has gone on month after month, whenever we get more like alien news, like we get those like videos of the, the spaceships flying, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen those. Those like really low quality, like military recordings of like alien saucers and it's like okay that's like kind of weird and then you get the testimony that that testimony in america like three months ago and it's like weird uh kind of like kind of weird and then with mexico unveiling the little et guys it's like <laughs> come on man like this is i don't know i don't buy it i don't buy any of it i don't think we have any contact with any aliens personally i'm not opposed to it i just don't think we do well, I think the Mexican aliens are real, but I got to say that, like, <laughs> if you're an alien and you cross these the vast gulf of space using unimaginable technology that we can't even begin to fathom, folding space or wormholes or whatever it is that you're doing to, to get across this vast distance, and you get captured by an American, I'm sorry, I don't have respect for your race. And I just, I don't, I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm not suck. interested in what you're selling, you, you know? I'm not buying it. Yeah, they kind of suck if that's if that's how they ended up. That's just like, come on, at least conquer at least conquer the world. Yeah, like do something impressive. They're like the laughing if, if you stock wanna, like, of the alien me. community. <laughs> 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 You're like, do something. Yeah. Come on. 
No, but and as we talked about, though, I think a lot of it is just I mean, the, the person himself that does these kinds of like testimonies has been completely discredited and just seems like the same alien crank that gets tossed, gets comes out every couple of years to say the exact same bullshit. But it does seem to me the fact that like it seems like there are actual institutions in the United States military or security state or whatever that are starting to talk about this more. I mean, the the likeliest solution there is that they're trying to. Uh, you know, manufacture consent to pump money into the whole space force and the militarization of space, not to find aliens or whatever, but to compete with China, who they, who they, you know, are getting uh, frantic about as they start to expand their space program and other nations as well, like India. Um, I think it's more about yeah. protecting American interests by militarizing space and getting people on board with that than actual anything that resemble like that features actual like interdimensional visitors from other galaxies or whatever yeah i i try to like apprehend myself from giving it to like the the classic conspiracy brain um mindset where it's like oh this news story is just a distraction from like hunter biden's penis or whatever you know <laughs> yeah uh, i try to like i try to like not engage with, with that because it's usually pretty silly and like obviously not true but i, I do think there is something to the entire um, military industrial comp complex and like intelligence agencies all of a sudden being like oh like there's these aliens and as you mentioned that one guy i think ken klippenstein did some reporting on yeah. him the ufo um, that was, was very controversial upset. yeah yeah people got mad at him for that but i don't know it's just like do is this really the guy is this really the moment i don't know i'm not convinced i'm, I'm no. really not I, I i think you're right about the the competing with like India, but yeah, because I think India went to the. Did they go to the moon? They like, landed a probe a on the moon. Ago? Yeah, so like there is this like renewed, I guess, global. I don't want to call it a space race, but a lot of countries are are going back into space. Yeah, I mean, Space Force has explicitly argued that they need they need increased funding to get ahead of China's militarization of space. So it's, it is, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a different kind of space race. You know, there's elements of the Cold War. There's, you know, a new Cold War with China. And this is just how it will manifest. It's going to be, we're going to pump a bunch of money into effectively the military industrial complex just with a 21st century veneer. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I, I think a lot of the, like the conflict with right-wingers right now is with China. Um, like a decade ago with like, I'm specifically thinking of like the Obama Romney election, a lot of the fear. And of course, I mean, they're they're at war with Ukraine right now. So, of course, Russia is still kind of like a main threat. But I, I feel like it's pretty obvious that right wingers want to pivot to conflict with China. That's like the pretty I think it's blatant personally. Yeah. But. One, it's bipartisan, too, because like that's been that's been oh, getting 100%. ratcheted that like that pivot to Asia began under Obama and it continued under Trump and it's continued under Biden. It's going to continue under the, the the next president as well, whoever that might be. Yeah, it 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 accelerated under Trump, especially with covid. That was like such the perfect opportunity for them to rail against China. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen that one poll uh, or I guess it's just a, the poll tracking like Americans approval of China. And with COVID during like 2019 to like 2021, it like just dropped. Yeah. So many Americans just hate China now when like Americans were like generally okay with China up until that point. 
it's it's really fascinating how easy it was to like yeah. begin that conflict. Well, yeah. you can you can chart that back to like you know around 2014 when this pivot to Asia happened, and you can just see the line of approval start to go down um, as soon as it, and really could conveniently as soon as it be, became like clear to American leaders that China wasn't just going to be some kind of like supplicant uh, client state, but was actually like had their own ideas and they and we're we're growing their economy at this this uh, really drastic rate as soon as americans as leaders realize like oh shit we're going to actually get left behind here uh they're not just going to do as they're told as as a lot of our other client states around the world do that's when community yeah. this this massive propaganda pushed and it yet yeah, it, it absolutely accelerated uh, in in the years, and COVID was a was a big uh, a factor in that as well. But it, it's interesting. I mean, you you really see how people are controlled by the media, and um, how that as soon as this effort begins to con- sell people on this idea that that they should be uh, fearful and they should be they're worried about spy balloons and all this this nonsense. I mean, <laughs> it, it shows how how uh, manipulatable people are. Is that a word? How easy it is to manipulate people through this vast media apparatus. <laughs> Yeah, it's people like to think like, oh, I don't I like I'm propaganda. Propaganda doesn't fool me. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It fools all of us. When people try it's, to propagandize to me, I say, no, thank you. Yeah. 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 Just no, thanks. No, I'm not. I'm not buying that. No, just it's like the cat turd mindset. Anything is yeah. a- anything that any news story that isn't what you want to read is a distraction. That's yeah. that's, I think, the best way to not be pro- propagandized yeah. is just don't believe the news at all and we're all devote uh followers of the cat turd do mentality too so <laughs> of course the way of the turd that's my ideology yeah. i'm not a marxist i'm not a liberal i'm a cat turdist yeah. is my uh, yeah <laughs> uh all right in, in really grim funny news i mean it goes either way i want to get your thoughts on this microsoft publishes garbled ai article <laughs> calling tragically deceased NBA player useless. Former NBA player Brandon Hunter (laughs) passed away unexpectedly at the age of 42 this week, a tragedy that rattled fans of his early 2000s career with the Boston Celtics and Orlando Magic. But in an unhinged twist on what was otherwise a somber news story, Microsoft's MSN news portal published a garbled, seemingly AI-generated article that derided Hunter as useless in its headline. Brandon Hunter, (laughs) useless at 42, read the article, which was quickly called out on social media. The rest of the brief report is even more incomprehensible, informing readers that Hunter handed away after achieving vital success as as a ahead for the Bobcats. That was verbatim. And performed in 67 video oh. games. So, Rob, I know you're a big hoops head. Uh, if you think, is, is is Brandon Hunter useless now? And how did he perform? Do you remember any of those 67 video games? Maybe it wasn't AI. Maybe it was just like an aggrieved Celtics fan that still is holding on to some grudge from the early 2000s. Some bad, a couple bad stretches. He lost some money or whatever. Of any fan base, um, yeah, it would be a Celtics fan know. to do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I just don't know if this technology is quite ready for prime time as much as these big uh, companies try oh to keep leaning on it. I just don't know if it's quite ready. They keep trying to prove to us that human beings that's... are no longer necessary. And every time they try to like display that, it's it's makes abundantly clear that you actually do need human beings writing this stuff still. <laughs> that's so great that it called this guy useless. Like, <laughs> Not exactly wrong. I don't know. Like, not... <laughs> 
no, I mean, yeah, like sports, I mean, technically it's like entertainment. So like functionally, sure, like maybe, but like, come on, like that's just crazy. Like I'm imagining who was, I'm not a sports person, but was it LeBron James that like crashed in a helicopter? Yeah. Kobe, uh, yeah. Like Kobe three years ago. Yep, LeBron's- yeah. I'm just imagining if like, yeah, like if AI was around. <laughs> it was Kobe Bryant. <laughs> At that point, Kobe Bryant <laughs> shit. See, I'm not a sports person. Uh, but but just like ai would have done like the same thing to to like kobe bryant like called this guy like useless or whatever like ai i don't know like it's a good tool i feel like for like certain things like you can generate like spreadsheets pretty easily like there are good applications of it but like i feel like with creative writing or like art ai art it's just not ready it's just it's just so bad like they still can't get the fingers right in the ai art it's always like seven or eight fingers like come on it's not ready yeah no i'm i'm personally i'm not like an ai alarmist or anything like i use mid journey sometimes to create art like uh, and i think it's a really interesting technology and really cool and chat gpt as well there's a lot of really cool things that you can do with chat gpt um, yeah. but I think that's, that's the thing about AI is that it's, it works well as a tool that's being wielded by human beings. The idea that you can cut out the middleman and just have AI replacing people that is never going to work. And this, it's so bizarre. These right wingers that it seem to have no understanding of art or anything. And just saying like, Oh, in the future, you can just say, I would like to see a movie about a, a vampire buddy comedy. And then the AI is just going <laughs> to. That actually sounds cool. Now that I'm yeah. saying it, I'm going to be gonna that, that in the back pocket. But no, and yeah, they, but yeah, they think that yeah, I believe in you. they think that they're going to be able to just do that, and then they, the computer is just going to spit out some slop for you to to watch, and it's going to be great. But I just, it's a weird way of thinking about art, and just like encouraging this the idea of human beings just completely removed from that process and just like spitting out some kind of algorithmically created thing that watches your dopamine receptors when you watch something and knows exactly (laughs) what you want to see and just spitting out something. I mean, it's, it's really weird to me that people like are actually like hoping for a future like that. And then you have these big studios that are counting on that and, and are trying, that's what this, all these strikes are over. Um, and trying it's, to create so this bleak, situation yeah. where they can just cut human beings out of the process. It's just never going to work. And it's a, it's a bizarre way of looking at art. It's yeah. I, I remember when the WGA, SGA, I forget all the, the letters in this, but, but the writer strike that's going on with in Hollywood right now, when that first started, there were a lot of right wingers or just people. Uh, they, I guess they don't have to, I'll just say right wingers. A lot of people, right wingers that were like, oh, we don't need these writers. Check out this like AI written scripts that I just did. Like I think Ben Shapiro did one where he was like, check out this script I made, like check out this joke. And it's, it was, I don't remember what it was offhand. This was like four months ago now when the the strikes first started, but it was just horseshit. (laughs) It wasn't funny. It was like, he wrote like a joke, like a comedy script and it was just horrible. And I don't know if you guys know who David Sachs is. He's like that tech startup Elon Musk, uh, like second stringer. He, he did, uh, when, when succession, the, the HBO series ended, um, he wasn't happy with that. He wanted there to be like another season or he, like, he was like, I'm going to write another season. So he used AI to do another season, a script for another season of succession. And it's still up. I think, I don't think he's deleted it, but if you read through what it generated, it's like, God damn, dude, these right wingers, you're right. They just don't know what like art or like 
good writing is. It's like they they think it art for the sake of art or writing for the sake of it. It's of its existence is what is important, I guess. I don't know. It's yeah. The limitations with any sort of algorithmic based technology are one human input, human by two human bias and what's already out there. In an artistic sense, it's especially things like mid journey. They're pulling from art or pictures, photographs, things that humans have done, captured, created, and building off of that or taking bits and pieces off of those as inspiration. If if they see a future where AI, AI art is the predominant form of art, you are just you're going to hit a ceiling at some point because they need things to rely yeah. on for these engines and what makes great art, what makes things that make us feel feel inspired, feel moved by art, are people doing new and creative things. On In a, let's say, policing standpoint, these same sort of technologies, big data, algorithm, algorithms, especially when used for like predictive policing, those are also obviously limited and heavily influenced by the people who created them and their biases. And that's why you see those same sorts of technologies disproportionately predict that all of these black residents in the city, I mean, LA was using this years ago, all, all of these black residents are going to be the ones who are most likely to commit crimes. It's because you're just building off of whatever human or humans created these things. So this idea yeah. that a bunch of AI, cops are writing that program, it's like, right. yeah, that's what it's going to tell you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, and you see these limitations in all of the iterations of this sort of technology. It's just it seems transparent that this would never work or be a replacement for human creation or human input. But they seem convinced right, just because there's people that are willing to invest in it. Like maybe one day that would be true, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing to replace human input, but it's just not there yet. And and to your point about how it's like these these technologies are pulling from what's currently online. That's what's always so funny to me when like um, people will will do like panics about like I, I I think Jordan Peterson has done this a lot before. Like there was like a couple of days where he was like freaking out about about what the AIs was giving him. Is he would like ask questions like how do you get like he would ask the AI how do you get like gender reassignment surgery and it would like give him the information he was asking for and he was like doing this whole thing like look at these like woke uh like like this is <laughs> it's horrible. basically just this google like, that's giving is... you results like with, yeah. a, with a human that's touch to it a human dialogue exactly they think there's like something nefarious going on like they're programming this ai to like give this like these specific answers when yeah it's just google results filtered back to you yeah. right now that's at least right now what it is yeah um and it's interesting too. You talk about this; these weird conceptions of art because there's it kind of. It seems like across the this, this spectrum, there it seems to be a sort of issue. I think this is maybe more of a Zoomer thing than a left or right thing, but it seems to be if you look at some of these online conversations, this is maybe coming from like the the Tumblr world or whatever. But there seems to be this idea of art that like it should never challenge you in any way. It should never make you feel bad in any way. <laughs> It should only be good yeah. things and there should be no conflict and there should be no, no scene <laughs> that ever like doesn't contribute to uh, the plot or anything. And it's, it's that to me also on the flip side of this 
weird kind of heartless, soulless, uh, right-wing version of art. I think that's a really bizarre way of looking at at films and and novels as well. You should never be challenged. You should never feel uncomfortable. It's you know, it's 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 a really strange way of wanting to perceive this kind of stuff. Yeah, there's like a weird like. I don't know how like when this started necessarily, but it feels like right now there's like this weird like p- people wanting sterilization of art. We're like, I mean, how many times have we seen anti-sex scenes yeah, in yeah. movies? Discourse, right? Like, I don't know. There's like, there's like that, and then like on the trad side, there's like the people. I think we talked about like these like. Um, like return type of guys last time yeah, I was on, yeah. uh, where it's like there's those people there's like the the marble statue profile picture guys who are like when did we stop making architecture like this or like when did we stop making paintings like this it's it's like this weird like i don't know the, the, there's the zoomer like panic about art and then there's like this weird right-wing trad type person panic about like where art's going and it's i don't know and then like ai art is getting involved and it, it's hard to like analyze all of this because there's so many different things people are panicking about with art when people could just like make art and not really worry about what people are making because the human input is the creativity that people care about, or at least what I feel like is the important part with art. Right. But it's also, it's not that people stopped making it. People still make art. They're not seeking it out, but the, the masterpieces or these, you know, historic architectural achievements that they're, you know, fawning over. The reason we don't see that is because you don't have some of the most powerful political or religious entities in the world directly funding that and maintaining the infrastructure (laughs) or that project and the the funding of it for years that people had the space and the time in their life where they could just focus on creating these things. That's – I mean – they don't realize the inherent contradiction in their worldview. They're complaining about, oh, we don't have all of these great things. We We don't have all of this great art. And supporting a conservative worldview. Okay, well, who wants to defund the fucking arts? Like, if we had a more robust (laughs) social safety net, if we had a universal basic income, if we had a a world and an economy that was level, where everyone had their, their needs met, you would see greater creative output because people wouldn't have to string together multiple jobs, worry about where their next paycheck or their next meal is coming from. They would have space in their life to do things. You saw that... In a, in a very small capacity during the pandemic, when people were at home more, where some people had in, in increased social safety nets, uh, programs or benefits or enhanced unemployment benefits. I, I just I, I feel like I saw so many people painting or drawing or baking all of these creative things that I don't see now and I didn't see before. But because they had that layer of comfort or that extra time at home, they were able to do things like that. Yeah, I don't I don't remember where I read this specifically, but there's like some old journal or like some old like look into like the olden days when people could like live in these like art houses where it's like really low rent and like the artists would just like pay this super low rent. And like you can't be an artist and just like live these days. You have to work like a for a minimum 40 hour a week job and then use like the couple hours a day after that work to do your art. Like, it's just not sustainable like it used to be. There used to be like, I, I'm talking about this as if I know what I'm talking about. It's just something I read a while ago. But basically, like, you used to be able to just be an artist. You just can't. You just yeah. can't do art like that these days anymore. It's, you just can't because we've just def- like we've defunded the arts. You 
things are so expensive. Yeah. It's been a big part of like socialist projects in the past too, like in the Soviet Union, where you could get grants and stuff if you wanted to be an artist. Um, right now we have yeah. a situation because of the way that we don't value these things and it is getting defunded in schools and it's always the first thing to go when any of these cuts happen. And now we have a situation where I think we're, a lot of people, if they're actors or filmmakers, like they're coming from generational wealth or that's why these industries are run by like Nepo babies. And I don't think like there's, there's, there's <laughs> like people that are, that have benefited from nepotism, actors and filmmakers that I think are super talented, but I don't think we want a situation though where it's only the wealthy and only the connected are able to make art because they're the only ones that have the the ability to take the time to focus on that. Um, I think it's a really kind of sad thing that has happened where <clears throat> art, which is something that's should be accessible to everyone, uh, no matter what your economic background is, it's it's slowly becoming the, exclusively the purview of people that have disposable income and generational wealth. I think it's a really big problem. Absolutely. One other topic to get into before we wrap up. Uh, the big news story this week, our beloved boy, Hunter. <laughs> our beloved Hunter was indicted on gun My charges. My son, Hunter. My son, Hunter. The coolest, uh, the coolest son of a president to ever exist. <laughs> so he was indicted on gun charges for lying on a federal form when he purchased a revolver in Delaware in 2018, which he had in his possession unloaded for 11 days. That's the big scandal. He's been under investigation <laughs> That's for what it years. Was? Yes. 11 days he had an unloaded revolver oh. that he lied on the form to obtain. This, We've all oh, been this, there. Uh, That's so funny. This is the big scandal that Republicans are are hyping up. You know, they they launched an impeachment inquiry over all of these. You know, the broader Hunter world, uh, tax issues, foreign lobbying, business deals, all this kind of stuff. It's very opaque. They claim they have a ton of evidence. They have not shown it. You even have people like uh, George Santos coming out condemning this impeachment inquiry, <laughs> saying he hasn't seen any evidence and doesn't support it. <laughs> Like it, it, it just seems so George, harebrained. I, he's my favorite Republican. It's hilarious, inadvertently hilarious. He, George Santos rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just like it seems so obviously so, bogus. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been paying too much attention to this to like Hunter Biden in general because it's first of all not super interesting to me because he's like I, I I don't know like there's just not really been anything and like I, I'm I'm assuming people in this podcast audience and you guys aren't like a biden fan we're not like just dismissing this because we like love rob biden. rob is I, like, but I, I, i'm on i'm on the fence that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like it's not like that i i am like trying to like carry water it's just like i don't really find the like like a compelling political narrative when he's like not currently like elected or anything it's just like not super pertinent to me but i do think it's very funny that republicans are hyping up like what's essentially like like any other politician on the right, especially. And I hate to do like a oh hypocrisy sort of thing. It's like on gun charges. This is really what the right wing is going to like come after someone for is like gun stuff. Yeah. a gun. All of a sudden, they're very <laughs> like, concerned about like these very, issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems really strange to me that like Republicans all of a sudden care about gun possession. Okay. Yeah, I, it's you know it's silly. So we, like, we laugh at like this this weird what seems to be like kind of almost like a psychosexual obsession they have with this guy. Like <laughs> we were talking about it before. Like I've got some. Have you seen these new high definition 4K images of Hunter Biden's like veiny <laughs> cock that I've got saved to my hard drive in a special folder? 
you this is the <laughs> most explosive news story of the year. You know, I find that a little bit weird. Yeah. And I just find all the all the obsession with it does kind of obscure what I view as kind of a real story, which is like when you're the vice president and you kind of help oversee uh, a, a one government in Ukraine getting overthrown and replaced by a pro-American government. And then your dipshit son ends up with a five figure a month, no show job for this like Ukrainian gas company that he has no experience in. Yeah. I think there's maybe a bit, a bit of a yeah. story there. That's corruption. It's nepotism. I think it's completely across the board endemic across the United States political culture. It has nothing to do with, it's not exclusively the Joe Biden family that's engaged in that kind of nepotism. But to me, there's a, there's a kind right. of a story there, about corruption or whatever else, but it gets obscured with this this constant fixation with all his with his addiction, with highlighting Biden's yeah. like very human and empathetic response to his son's like serious problems that he's having. Like they end up going down these avenues and obscure whatever point that they might have or whatever real story that might be there gets completely washed away in this this weird obsession with all the the drama and the bullshit. You're right. Yeah. Like I saw I don't I don't remember who it was today, but said something like Oh, uh, like the most notorious crackhead in America uh, is getting charged. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, I like the average American seeing you like poo poo or like be like snippy about like addiction issues in America, like a country notable for having like a lot of addiction issues of, of like any other type, like of a ton of different drugs. I, I feel like that's kind of off putting. Like, I'm not telling you to stop, like <laughs> keeping off putting and weird. I think that's really good or I think it's really bad for them to be like that. But it's like they, they don't like they like they they come at it at weird avenues. They, they you're yeah, they attack by or Hunter for for his like flaws that are probably like in maybe not endearing, but like relatable sometimes kind to, of like a lot of a Americans who struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> this, this guy yeah, just like, absolutely loves smoking crack with with prostitutes. I got to tell you, I wish I loved anything as much as this man loved that activity. But and filming himself. While and not doing only so. does he love exactly, I was going to say, not only does he love it, but he loves taking pictures yeah. of himself smoking crack. <laughs> it's his, it literally his favorite activity. I <laughs> just it's incredible how many photos of of him it really, that he's there's taken. Really there are a staggering just, amount. Yeah. <laughs> I love that for him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, I do too. I think every, I, can can men in America not have hobbies anymore? <laughs> yeah. Is that oh, what we a hobby now, according to Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so I haven't been paying, like I said, what, I haven't paying, been playing, paying close attention to this story. Are they like going to try to impeach Biden over this? Is this the angle? It's. Or what are they doing to this? Like, what is the angle? This here? isn't directly connected. Well, I mean, kind of, but this isn't really the impeachment inquiry. So this was part of this broader investigation into all of the other stuff. You know, he might face tax charges later on. The impeachment inquiry focuses on allegedly that while Hunter was doing all these business dealings, Biden, while vice president, was on the phone with all of these oligarchs or all of these other business leaders doing illegal foreign lobbying. That has not been – they have not produced like a shred of evidence. It's all, you know, hearsay and whistleblowers. You know, some one of them I think just disappeared if you guys remember. That's their impeachment. The inquiry. Biden crime family steps up. Yeah. Again. It's like that shit. <laughs> this is different. But they wanted to get something to create a scandal. This was, you know, they were going to have the charges. They were they had a plea agreement that kind of blew up a couple months ago if you remember that. And then they elevated this with, with – 
Merrick Garland mm. appoint, appointing like a special master or whatever special prosecutor. Yeah, I'm. I've been like ever since the whole Mueller investigation. Mueller. I, don't, I never know how to say yeah. it, but ever since like Mueller, every week the like liberals were like, "Oh, the walls are closing in," and then it like the walls. I mean, granted, like they were kind of right about Trump. Like he's going to trial and stuff now. So, like, I guess maybe they're well, right. Not about anything that they were claiming was going to cause him legal consequences <laughs> then. Like, this is all new newer stuff, really. Yeah, it's not Russian collusion. No. Uh, it's I don't even remember. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't find any of this stuff super, like, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll read the news stories every once in a while. But, like, to me, just, like, how the Mueller investigation went and, like, now how, like, the Hunter Biden investigation is going, it just... I feel like it's so obviously like theater for the most part. Yeah. Where it's like, they just need to keep riling up like where it was a great way to rile up Democrats. Um, Like this is a great way to just continue to rile up the, the right wingers, the Republicans. Like that's, I like, I feel like that's what this is, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and even this whole idea that they're claiming that there's some kind of hypocrisy, like, look, they're persecuting Trump. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden is doing all these crimes, but like, he's getting indicted. Like you're like, what do you want? I mean, (laughs) all the stuff that you're getting mad at, they're investigating it and looking into it. So I don't really get what the big deal is. There's also like the whole thing with like the Biden crime family. I just don't think that's like connecting with a mass amount of people in the same way that conspiracies about the Clintons were or Obama. Even there's a a lot of people that were willing to accept wacky conspiracies about Obama and Obama being gay and smoking crack with people and having people killed or whatever, all that (laughs) stuff or Michelle being trans or whatever it is. Like people were really primed to accept these kind of conspiracy theories. I don't think they're really as primed to think about old Joe Biden as being some kind of mastermind criminal. Like I think he's, he's whether it's earned or not, I think he has a kind of authenticity that people respond to that. They're not connecting (laughs) with these, these kind of wild claims about the Biden crime family or whatever. He can't be senile and the Godfather at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. you, exactly. gotta, you gotta pick one. It's a, it's a lesson. Yeah, because that's yeah, because they they try to have it both ways, kind of like how they would with Hillary Clinton, which did work for them. Uh, but like you know how there was always like the the like right wingers in like 2016 would circulate that video of Hillary Clinton trying to open like a jar and she couldn't do it. And it's like oh look, she's so weak. She's like about to die. She's like oh she's just so horribly weak. And then she would like. Uh, yeah, like the Clinton crime family assassinated all these people, like Seth Rich. Yeah, it's like okay, is she really like this connected, powerful, but also like about to die? <laughs> like, uh, it's it's you're right, it's not connecting with Biden because I don't know, people aren't upset about Biden in the same way that people were upset about Obama or Clinton, and I don't really know what it is. Like, people like him, or even Trump. People like, do people like just, Biden. Yeah, there's there's probably a race and gender factor, frankly, that people are more likely to will accept conspiracy theories about Obama, who is, uh, you know, uh, mixed race and all this fascination with his religion and possibly being Muslim or Hillary being a woman. Whereas Biden's this like white U.S. senator that's been a senator for decades and is this kind of classic (laughs) Washington kind of backslapping politician guy like i think there is an element probably of that that people are more willing to listen to conspiracy theories about uh obama or hillary that they're just they don't they don't mistrust biden in the same way uh, as they did those others yeah like they might not like biden but they don't think he's a secret muslim you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) he's not about to like overthrow the western order (laughs) like he's irish Yeah. yeah come on he's a catholic irish yeah it's a good place to leave it 
June of Western Kabuki. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find the show and follow you? Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter um, uh, at Juniper. Uh, the I is an L. Um, or you can you can follow uh, at the Western Kabuki Twitter account. And you can you can find the Western Kabuki podcast on pretty much every like streaming service. Um, yeah, that's that's about it right now. I, I do have like a secret low key new podcast, like an, an, another podcast I might be doing right now. It's going to be like a music podcast. I don't really have any info about that yet, but I'm talking to someone that that we, we might start something. So that that'll I guess keep an eye awesome. out for that. Um, that's all I have going on right now. Yeah. Another teaser. You're really leading one, into the whole podcaster thing. Wow. Uh, yeah. You've accepted it. You have <laughs> I, to accept it at one point and say, I'm a podcaster. I do. It's hard, but you have yeah, to do that's, it. That's my yeah. life now. It's That's my life. I've accepted <laughs> it. You you start. It's a, it's a slippery exactly. slope. Yeah. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks, June. Thank you so much for inviting yeah. me, though. This is always yeah, fun. great to this talk to you. This is always so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you.